Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everyone. Welcome back to the Full Stack Journey podcast. I am your host, Scott Lowe, and uh, joining uh, me today is a very special guest. I'll give him just a moment to introduce himself in, uh, in a bit. Um, the purpose of the Full Stack Journey podcast, as you may know, is to talk with guests about the ongoing evolution of the IT professional. Sometimes that means we're talking about specific technologies that I think are relevant. Sometimes it means talking uh, with someone and kind of finding out a little bit about their journey and the things that they've gone through and the experiences they've had and some of the choices that they've made. Uh, I really appreciate everyone taking the time to listen. The goal uh, today is to help equip and prepare listeners for their journey of learning across the full stack of technologies that are present in today's data centers and in cloud environments. And uh, we're going to focus on real, practical, actionable advice uh, to make sure that our listeners really get something useful out of the episode. So joining me today, Matt Broberg. Matt, so good to have you. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for having me, Scott. Um, Yeah, just enjoying some snowy weather here in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Uh, so yeah, and awesome. enjoying some open sourceness. I actually just stopped contributing to a project to talk to you. Well, I am so sorry that I interrupted your contribution, but we appreciate oh, you being no. here. It compliments. It's okay. uh, definitely the subject at hand. Yeah. Very good. Very good. So Matt, you and I, you know, we go way back actually. Um, Absolutely. Uh, surprisingly, I thought about it as we were preparing for the episode. I was like, wow, have I really known Matt that long? But I have. Um, so, uh, uh, you know, I've kind of followed along uh, your journey from where we were when we first met um, and then you know, changing careers and changing focuses and moving around the country. But uh, for the listeners who may not be familiar with you, why don't you take a couple of minutes and give us kind of, you know, Matt Broberg at 30,000 feet. You got it. Yeah. So uh, I think I met you back in the day where I was very active in the EMC storage space in particular. Uh, and that came through engagement with the VMware community in particular as, you know, the sort of the expert social media connected technology professional. Uh, and in a single line, I've gone from proprietary hardware to full shifting my attention to open source software uh, as things have evolved in my career. And uh, that came by way of just trying to figure out where my where my joy comes from, where my alignment with uh, business value can come from, and also just where I end up putting my energy, which ends up being connecting with people, socializing with them, and you know building great information out of that, whether that's like technical content or podcasts or websites and whatnot. Um, but in particular, I was in tech support and then systems engineering on EMC systems, uh, integrating that with VMware early on. And I had this very cool opportunity to build a community program for EMC back in the day uh, called the EMC Elect. May it rest in peace. It was an absolutely wonderful program. Um, and I got to connect with people through social social media quite a bit and start to go to conferences. Um, and I had the startup itch along the way. I've tried a few of them in different roles and different capacities. Um, but I keep doing that sort of pendulum swing between tiny startups, trying to see if that will pop and do something cool for my personal life as well. Uh, and see if I can grow some, some new skills, some new movements. Uh, but then I swing back to these large corporations where I feel like I have a lot of time to foster expertise and explore something in greater detail. And I'm back on one of those trends. My current role is a I'm a technical editor and analyst for opensource.com, where I get to advocate for open source software and uh, write a lot and coach a lot of really smart people into either blogging with a new angle or um, writing their first post for the very first time. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, I actually do pretty regularly read opensource.com. So oh, fantastic. That, that's neat that, that you're on there. 
Yeah, I remember uh, one of the very, very, very early uh, times we met. Uh, it was the um, the the so called nerd herd. Uh, yes, way back in oh. the day uh, with uh, Luigi and Sean Tulin, and uh, uh, we we had uh, lunch or dinner at this little um, restaurant right there in in. Um, Probably Milford, Massachusetts. Uh, I don't know if it was like Milford. It's right, it right down the street from main headquarters. And oh, so it was in Hopkinton. Oh, Hopkinton. Yeah. Yes. It was this little, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, but very cool. But yeah, that was a long time ago. And, it, and, and I remember you were working in, in EMC tech support at the time. So it's very cool to see um, how, you know, over the last nine-ish or so years, yeah. uh, how uh, your career has has developed. Um, so um let, let's let's dig into that a little bit because I think uh, it would be fascinating for the listeners. You know, part of the purpose of the podcast is to kind of share folks the story of folks who have um, transitioned. You know, people who started out in one role and then made a, a you know a fairly significant shift into another role. Sure. And kind of the decisions they made along the way and the lessons they learned along the way, and you know things that they would do differently, if anything. Sometimes they they say, "No, I wouldn't do anything differently." Right. But. Um, so if you don't mind, let, let's dig into your career journey. I think that may have some lessons in there that would be helpful for listeners. Maybe there are listeners out there who are, you know, in a, a, a certain role and they're looking, they want to transition to something that is, you know, sort of entirely different, maybe still in IT, but, but entirely different. And um, it sounds like that's kind of where you were. You know, you were in tech support at EMC, working on a hardware focus, and then you've kind of jumped through these other things. And now you're focused very much more on open source and software and you know, interacting with folks within within a, an open source community, right? Absolutely. Um, so, uh, you know, w- what was the first major like? If you had to categorize this thing into sort of like key transitions, what would you yeah. say the first key transition was for you? Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely from like a fully let's call it like a, a technical like technology focused job to a marketing oriented job. That was a, a pretty wild leap for me. And that was the transition from engineering at EMC into this marketing role as a community lead uh, at EMC. Um, it opened up my eyes in a really fun way. And uh, it was definitely this one of the scarier moments of my career. It was about like three years, three or four years in, I realized, um, yeah, and I'll be honest, Scott, it came from a place where I was just so sad every day I went to work. Um, I was going into a very like classic office space environment with very gray walls and people who were not thrilled to be there. And uh, I literally worked be- between uh, the teams that were not talking to each other. So we had people, people talking to each other. Uh, it, it just it felt like something out of a, a little bit of a personal nightmare for me. I, I was not into it. So I, I kept trying to find, like, where are the people that really enjoy what they're doing? Um, and that's where I, I made some friends in tech support earlier on that I thought were crazy because they mostly hung out on Twitter, uh, which seemed silly to me at the time. But that's that nerd herd that you brought up, which is a group of people that I'm still very close with. Um, but we connected through social media, using it as a way to go to conferences together and talk to people. And I found like that is where the energy is. Uh, and that's where I found so much more energy in myself and in this career path and in enterprise technology, where people were just absolutely pumped to be talking about what they're doing, whether they're the deepest technologists or whether they're just trying to you know, figure out the coolest sticker uh, to add to their laptop. It was just a group of people that were thrilled to do what they were doing. And uh, I didn't 
think of it as a job right away, but I knew I wanted to be like, I, I kept advocating for going to events and finding a way to be on social media and ideally not get in trouble for it, um, which I was at that time. Gotcha. Yeah. It's, it's interesting to me. Like, you know, I, I felt the same way about Twitter early on. I'd be like, why, why in the world do you like, would I spend my time, you know, just like posting these little updates that doesn't make any sense. And yeah. Uh, and well, you know, there you go. Um, so, all right. So you made the transition from, from tech support engineering into a marketing role. Um, and then, and then what was the now? So before we go on, because I want to talk about the next shift after that, but before you go on, like, was there any other motivation for you? Like, and, and it, like, I, I talk to a lot of people about sort of career planning and that sort of thing. Right. And they often yeah. say, well, Hey, should I take this, this job that I just, you know, somebody just told me about whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the things I tell them is, well, okay, you know, that if it's something you really want to do, that's fine. But like, think about where, you know, not just this job change, but think about like the next job change, right? Try to play chess instead of playing checkers. Um, <laughs> and so I'm wondering, like, did you see this as part of a bigger plan or was this just like, Hey, this is, looks like a good transition. So I'm going to jump on it. And it's uh, like, it's okay. You know, if it's like, Oh yeah, no, it was completely the latter where it just felt like a good transition. Um, I, I think it was more, it was definitely more gut than strategy uh, in the sense that like, I knew I was unhappy and I had at least written down and been keeping track of it for a while. Like what gave me joy in my work? And definitely were those times when I was doing what was technically not my priority job, which was like going to these conferences, talking to people online. Uh, I started posting to forums how to fix the system that I was working on. And that's what I got in trouble for, for like trying to talk directly to my customer about how this engineering uh, software worked that we were supposed to send them to official channels. So I just found like, okay, clearly somewhere I would be valued more for this. Um, and, uh, that, that was really the impetus behind it. I wanted to get paid to do the stuff I enjoyed in my job. Um, and I was actually going against a lot of advice from early mentors who said like, don't ever work in marketing. You'll lose your edge. You'll become unhirable with enough time. Um, and I can't tell people enough that especially right now, there's so much good technical expertise needed in marketing in our industry. So if you have hands-on experience to transition that into marketing and to save some time to work on the technology and then apply that to how we communicate to people and how it fits into some marketing philosophy, it it can be incredibly, incredibly powerful. So I hadn't planned to ask this, but, but maybe, maybe we can, we can come back to it in in a later on if, if that makes more sense. But, um, you know, I have heard that, that comment as well about folks not wanting to take a job in marketing because they didn't want to lose their technical chops. And I'm just wondering, like, um, you know, is there something folks could do to, to keep that from happening or, um, or, you know, like, well, that's probably a a better discussion for an entirely different episode. Right. But I'm just thinking about like, there's, there seems to be a progression where, you know, folks who are very, very technical, they end up either going into management or, or kind of moving out of the technical space. And, and there might be, you know, actually room for some sort of panel discussion at some point, like a bunch of guests on the show and talk about like, when is that time in, in someone's career? Like when is the right time? If you are, if you enjoy being a technologist and you have hands-on experience and you have expertise, when is the right time, if ever, to move out of that role into something else. And I guess maybe that's a, yeah. a, you know, a, a different for every person kind of thing. 
Yeah, bring me back for that panel, but I'll leave you with one anecdote that really struck me. Um, he is a very big deal now, but I had just met him for the first time probably seven years ago at, uh, I think it was Scale or another technology conference. But I ran into Brian Lyles, who's a coworker of yours. Uh, for those that don't know him, senior staff engineer at VMware, absolutely huge name in Kubernetes these days. He was the MC for KubeCon this year. Um, I really wanted to talk to him after one of his talks because he was a sales engineer at the time at a at a cloud company. And I asked him, like, what are you doing in sales? You just gave the most technical introduction to this concept I've ever seen. And he's like, if you are interested in technology and you are in this industry, uh, it's really up to you whether you stay somewhat hands on or not. And like, do you make the time to do that? He said at the time that when he was a sales engineer, he wrote more code than he uh, and he got to play with code in ways that made more sense to his customers than he did when he had to like work on some feature as an engineer at that company. And that really struck me many years ago. And I've kept that uh, sort of mantra in my head that like my hands on time is really in my control. Uh, and when I save time in my day and in my week to dive deeply into something, I learn it. And when I don't, and I let email or, you know, meetings overwhelm it, I get less hands-on. So I think we have a lot more control over that than we may think. Um, and you can use that in different ways in your career. That is very good advice. I will have to thank Brian for giving you that advice so you could share it with us. <laughs> Please do. Yeah, yes. I, I doubt he'll remember. It was super random, and I don't think he knows who I am, but it really did change my career, so I appreciate that. Yeah, no, Brian is an amazing guy. I I, I really enjoyed talking with him when I get the opportunity. Um, okay, so you've transitioned out of engineering tech support. You're in this marketing role now. Mm-hmm. Um, what was next? Yeah, so when I was in the, the marketing space, I found uh, just a ton of like money for conferences. No one told me that's where all the money was. It was super exciting because I got to just go to all these events that I thought were interesting. And what I tried to pair that with was some responsibility. I knew the funding was coming with expectation. So I start to really study like how the business runs and understand like what is the function of marketing in a given organization and how does that, you know, turn into some perception of ROI, whether that's accurate or inaccurate back to your chess idea, like companies are playing chess as well. They're not just going to give me $50,000 and say, Godspeed. Uh, They're going to say, all right, well, you should turn that into $500,000 of value. Um, So I I really try to double down on understanding how that stuff works, um, how I can explain the value, particularly of community activities, because I really care about community and uh, being able to be well-funded so that I can do the the right thing and have authentic relationships with people in the space, but also make it make sense from a business standpoint so it doesn't just be a, like, you know, a flash in the pan and then you're reorged into something else. So I was digging a lot into that and I learned some project management skills so that I can get some stuff off the ground. Uh, I was running community programs and uh, like slowly realizing like, a lot of the conversation was shifting towards this open source space with GitHub and I didn't really get it. So I started trying to pick that up on the side um, and learning through friends. So I think that was the next big aha moment, realizing that the momentum was going towards people sharing in the open. And I already loved doing that through Twitter and blogging. So I was trying to figure out how to be part of that conversation for the rest of my job as well. Gotcha. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. I think that, uh, it's I've advocated before for technologists to 
understand some of the business aspects of what, you know, their particular employer organization is doing. And I think that's exactly the sort of the thing that you found as well. It's like, okay, now I'm here in marketing, um, you know, and, and we've got this funding to go to these events, which is, you know, something that I really enjoy doing and connecting with people and, and, uh, and, and educating them and sharing information, that kind of thing. But I also have to show, you know, I have to show some ROI for that. I have to understand the business impact of the decisions that I'm making. And I think so many times technologists are so disconnected from the business impact of the decisions they're making that they don't realize, you know, there's, there's, there's gotta be a reason why, you know, the company should go buy that new switch or those new servers or do this software upgrade or whatever. Right. Um, yeah, exactly. And, and people are so like, they, they see something they're like, well, it doesn't make any sense why like a, a very common or a common belief uh, amongst peers and myself at the time was when I was in engineering, I'm like, why do all these salespeople get to go to these conferences to learn the technology when I want to go learn that so that I can be the best engineer for the company and realize like, Oh my goodness, running a conference at that scale at the tens of thousands of people, it is much more about connecting sales to their customers in that space than it is about, you know, the engineers of the organization feeling really connected to the product and the company. I had the value proposition totally off. And it's not to say that you can't, there isn't room to argue about the value proposition, but like I was angry at something because I didn't understand it. So I realized I just need to understand this more so I can play the game the right way. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and, I, and I think there's there's deeper lessons there uh, uh, for a lot of people in terms of, you know, being angry at something or being upset with something or being even afraid of something, but not being able to fully understand how it's going to affect you or your job or the responsibilities you have. You know, I've had a number of folks on the show talking about network automation and how network engineers just don't want to go down the network automation path or they're afraid of it. And it's like, no. This is this is a, a thing that can enable you to focus on higher value things rather than, you know, just troubleshooting, a, you know, why this VLAN doesn't work. Right. Uh, you know, there's there's yeah. more valuable things, but you have to understand the business impact of that sort of thing to really understand why it would be better to not have to, you know, add ports to a VLAN instead of, you know, helping company find new ways of saving hundreds of thousands of dollars on their wide area network connections or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Find, finding your value in the next space. Yep, exactly. All right. So you've been in this marketing role. You learned a lot of project management stuff and some some business impact, you know, like understanding the roles of the business and why it's important, et cetera, et cetera. You're getting pulled by open source now. So what happens next? We're all sitting on the edge of our seat. We want to find out. It's so funny. It it, it nothing happened like I planned. I, I didn't get into any sort of open source space. I had an opportunity to come up to join a small startup that was in the same city I was in. I lived in Cambridge, Mass at the time. And I wanted to take that because while I didn't have an exact roadmap, I did have kind of check boxes in my head to get back to the tactical, like my career, I had like a, a cheat sheet of, I wanted to be in an enterprise company and a startup at some time, uh, in sales and marketing and engineering. Uh, like once I realized that a business is all these pieces connected and understanding the value in between, I decided I'm going to do as many of them as possible so that I get like a good amount of experience so that maybe one day I could run one of these companies. Um, so an opportunity to be in sales in a startup happened. Uh, I took it. I, uh, it was very interesting. Uh, and I don't mean to use interesting as a non-word. I mean it because it was both a wonderful experience in like how startups run. And then it was also just terrible to realize that inside sales was not my idea of sales. It was just grinding on the phone for eight, eight to 10 hours straight with doing the same pitch over and over again. Um, and that is not fun for me, uh, or many people. 
So uh, I learned some lessons on like how little I understood of sales uh, at that company. And then I also learned a ton about startups, which was awesome because that's exactly what I wanted to get. Very nice. Very nice. So, um, so you, you, you went to sales of this, uh, this startup and, uh, then, and then, then what happened? Yeah. I almost got fired cause I sucked at sales. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, <laughs> I'm thinking back to it. It was the first time I was asked to basically fire myself by my VP of sales. Um, the product wasn't working very well and I had to pitch it for 10 hours straight and people weren't buying it. And that was somehow partly my fault as a, as a technical, uh, sales engineer. Um, and it was very, it was wild. So I was, I was kind of ready to leave. Um, but thankfully I had a really good mentor in the marketing department there. So fighting the urge, like getting pulled back into the marketing space, even though I still partly felt like maybe I didn't want to do that. I did technical marketing there. So I was writing more of the technical collateral for sales and uh, writing, maintaining the blog uh, and doing the social media, that kind of work. Uh, so I stayed there. I learned a lot from that angle as well, kind of ra- rounded out my knowledge on uh, the other part, uh, another piece of the marketing puzzle. Um, and then, yeah, made the most of that time, but also started to plan my exit because that was the product wasn't working well and I knew I couldn't be there for very long. After that, I had that was the first opportunity I had to use the, the kind of Git and GitHub skills I was learning on the side and start to apply them. I got a very cool opportunity at a fully remote, open source, uh, open core business model startup uh, through a Twitter friend and and somebody in our industry, and uh, I took that, uh, took advantage of that, and started working both from home and for an open core business model, which was totally different on all fronts. I'll, I'll bet it was. So you 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 finally sort of landed in the open source space where it had started influencing a little while there, yes. and and now working for this open core. Uh, business model of working remotely. I'm sure there are tons of lessons to be learned from from both aspects of that. Um, but but it sounds like, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you know, all along the way, you have sort of this you know this pull from open source. You know, we're talking, you know, Git and GitHub are influencing on the side. You know, this interaction with community, which is obviously you know sort of integral to the idea of open source. Right? Is is being successful involves building right. Um, functional communities around, around projects. Um, you know, would it, would it be safe to say that, you know, like that, that I don't want to call it a siren song, but sort of that, that the gravitational pull of that, you know, sort of affected you all along the way there. Yeah. There's kind of two elements that play for me, Scott. It's, it's one that I, I gravitate towards collecting people and helping them build something better. I don't have the strongest opinion on what we're building. I just really love connecting people. I, it's always been kind of my gift that I can do that. So I, I do gravitate towards that kind of work. Though I also believe that community manager is not exactly a great job for the long haul uh, for a lot of reasons we can dig into or not. Um, so I, I tend to try to apply it to different ends. Um, and then when I think about technology, I love this industry, but I'm, I have been maybe in the last five years, I've been less interested in a particular technology than I have been interested in a particular category of technology. 
So um, I don't know if any of your listeners are struggling with this, but if, if maybe they're not, you know, super jazzed on Kubernetes or super excited to learn AWS, maybe there's room for them to learn from my experience, which is I wasn't very fascinated by a single technology, so I decided to take a slightly different path and focus on a, a category of technology in open source, which is very big uh, and takes a lot of effort to start to you know, eat that elephant and find the pieces that make sense for me. But I really have tried to, you know, keep a roadmap of all the pieces of open source that I want to understand and keep consuming it piece by piece from licenses to particular communities to particular platforms. And I've used that as my technical roadmap for my skill set, as opposed to like mastering a particular, you know, a cloud provider or a particular other sort of category of technology right now. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, it's it can be challenging um, as technologists to try to keep up with the the pace of change uh, of new technologies, you know, constantly coming out. And so, if you do take a broader view, like what you're suggesting, and say, "Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna focus on this this category of software," you know, open source, or you know, it could be a category of software like you know, public cloud, right? I'm not going to focus just on just on AWS or just on Azure, but in general, you know, on public cloud and design decisions that result from those sort of architectures and business, you know, outcomes that result from, you know, from these decisions. I mean, everything, everything's related to everything else in, in, in these sort of things, right? Um, that might be a, a, a valid approach for folks to take if they can't find that, that one thing that they want to, to, uh, to, to focus on. And so you're, 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 yeah. you know, you're, you've got that gravitational pull. You, you find those, those, you know, that, that particular sort of niche, uh, and, and eventually you land, you know, where you are now, right. Which is, you know, doing, uh, doing editing and writing right. for open source and, and adopting open source. now, was it, I think it was you that I just saw a piece about, I don't know if it, and I think it was on opensource.com just saw a piece about you adopting Linux as your daily driver. Was that, was that your article? That was, that was, it was on transitioning from Mac to Linux. Then, uh, yeah, it was. It went over really well. It was the most read article on the site uh, in its history, which was quite a compliment, uh, and also told me a lot about other people. Like, I think a lot of people are curious about transitions at yeah, this point. Yeah, for sure. And you know, I had my own journey a couple years ago of <laughs> moving to Linux uh, full time, um, and uh, not not by any fault of Linux, but I've actually bounced back to the Mac mostly now. Um, for a variety of reasons that yeah. you know, we don't necessarily need to get into just yet, but in any case, um, Linux still plays a very, very prominent role, and, and a lot of other open source projects play a very prominent role in my career and in my focus, obviously with Kubernetes and uh, that sort of thing. Of course, yeah, and and I think the the angle there for me was um, I, to follow on like open source is the umbrella, but as it makes sense for my career progression to dig into particular technologies and, and test the waters. I go as deep as I need to. So that first open source job, it was on a database company that focused on uh, NoSQL. So I read up as much as I could on NoSQL and understood different consensus algorithms and how you work with distributed systems. Uh, but I never thought that that was where I was anchoring my career. I felt like very much like I was tasting different things along the way and kind of growing my skill set and understanding of the industry in a broad context. But the thing I wanted to go deep on was this bigger category of open source. And now at opensource.com, it's been this really wonderful transition where I continue to get to graze as I think about uh, the broad, broad spectrum of things I cover every day. Uh, and then I get to dig down when it makes sense for, for my job and also for my curiosity. 
like I, I finally had that question of like, how the heck does this thing work uh, on Linux? Like I really, I'd played around with stuff. I've scripted a bunch of things. I've understood, you know, a little bit about kernel modules and uh, as I needed to, but um, I wanted to see if I could talk to people and see if I could capture their attention and give them a reason to care uh, from the, the place I'm at. And we can kind of go on that journey together. And I'm starting to get that validation loop that people really enjoy kind of thinking through how it affects your life, how compatibility of hardware and software matters to our day-to-day experiences. And uh, that's really fun for me to explore. So even though I'm talking about Linux, I'm really trying to learn, uh, you know, to be fully transparent, I'm trying to learn search engine optimization. Like how do I design something that the web will consume? And then also how to be a great storyteller and narrative developer. That's cool. That's cool. I, I like that. Um, I like that your motivations aren't just like I'm going to run Linux because you know because open source, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm incredibly pragmatic on that front. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, it, there's there's a deeper there's a deeper sort of you know thought process going on there, which is which is nice. Yeah, uh, it, it's and it's been really quite fun. Um, you know, I would highly recommend if people are trying to learn things to find a way to build it into your job, if at all possible. And sometimes that means a little side hustle and then you show something that works and people are like, Ooh, that works. You should do more of that. Um, I've heard a lot of stories of people in sysadmin type roles who, you know, they're not being paid specifically to automate things, but they, you know, pull up Ansible and made something a lot simpler that used to be quite hard. And then all of a sudden they're doing Ansible as part of their work and then they're getting into Jenkins, and then it becomes its own sort of, uh, you know, pathway towards a more DevOps tool set and skill set uh, than they previously had. Um, but it, it takes that little bit of initiative of finding the hook that will make sense for your team or, or your particular role. Um, I find that that's been a pretty decent strategy for me. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that too, because I mean, like you know, if I look back on sort of my own progression in adopting open source technology or in how my career shifted, you know, it was a matter of like finding the, this one thing, right. Of like, Oh, I'm going to focus on this particular piece of technology and it's open source. And, and then, and then finding a way to make that something that I work with on a regular basis. You know, when I made the transition from my website to go from WordPress to Jekyll pages on GitHub or Jekyll on GitHub pages, excuse me. You know, that was the whole reason behind that was number one, I enjoyed writing a markdown. And number two, I was trying to make Git and GitHub an integral part of something I did on a regular basis, which was blogging, right? Um, yep. And and so you know that there you go. And when I made the transition between Jekyll Pages or Jekyll on GitHub Pages, did it again to Hugo <laughs> on uh, AWS S3 and CloudFront, right? It was because hey, I want to I want to get dig deeper into running a website on AWS um, and understanding the intricacies that are involved there, right? So. There you go. Yeah. Um, so I think it's it's really great advice, uh, and I think there's a lot of ways for people to begin a journey of of whatever that journey is, whether it's a journey of you know putting more open source in your career, whether it's a journey of you know going from where you are now as a sysadmin into you know an SRE role or a DevOps role or whatever the case may be. Like you know, just take that first step, right? Learn that one little technology that that you know can lead to the next one, which can lead to the next one, which can lead to the next one. And before you know it, you're a completely different professional. Yeah, and and uh, if I can throw another thing in there along the way, it's it's saying no to a lot of the other ones along uh, that are curious along the way. Like I, I've always admired you for this, Scott. Like that, I I think your ability to say like I'm going to learn this, and then you just say like you seem to just hone right in on it. 
Well, well, I feel a little bit more like I, I fluctuate between like, I'm into this. No, I'm into that. No, I'm into this. I'm into that. And then I'm like, wait a minute, uh, cut everything else out. Like give yourself some space in the day, learn one thing and learn it well, uh, well enough to build on top of, like, I think that's been the state I'm at where I'm still trying to build, uh, where like, I've always admired that you, you seem to like learn something very intentionally and then move on to the thing that adds to it. Well, thank you for that feedback. It doesn't feel that way. Sometimes it feels very haphazard, but, um, you know, but it, it looks good. It looks, it looks good from the outside. There we go. Right. Um, all right. So, um, it's fascinating to watch the journey for you, not only, um, you know, career wise, but also from a, from a technical or technological perspective. I think there's, there's a lot of lessons that listeners can, can glean from some of the steps you took and why you took those steps. But looking back on it now, I wonder, you know, are there any sort of like lessons learned, like, you know, things that you did along the way and then look back on it now, you're like, yeah, maybe I should have done something differently. Um, uh, anything oh, God, like that yeah. that might be useful for listeners who are contemplating, you know, making a shift in their own career or in their own technical um, skill set? Sure. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll give you one completely wrong thing and then one thing I've been really proud of along the way. The, the one completely wrong thing is like I let myself get into that sense of like, it's all or nothing. It's like do or die. Like this job transition is everything. And the rest of my life is just like to the side where I I get kind of myopic on a transition and kind of forget the bigger picture here that I'm, I'm in a context where I've got a, a number of skills that are marketable. I've got a lot of people I know, thankfully from the work I've done. And, uh, I, can take a step back and get a broader sense of where I'm trying to go. And there've just been some times I've played checkers as opposed to chess. And I, I completely, I can point to them and it's just like, Oh, what a, not a great moment in my life. And, and that, that looks like where I'm, I'm just so um, frustrated with myself or the, the work that I'm doing, or I get too, too intensely focused on like fixing something right now, as opposed to like, letting myself grow with the position I'm in and then thinking about where that's going to set me up for the next one. Yeah. I think there's something there about, uh, getting some perspective and walking away sometimes that I wish I did more earlier on. And I just didn't have that skill until quite recently where I now feel comfortable, like taking a breath and walking away and realizing I can just turn off my internet access for a minute and not respond to something like the world won't end. Uh, and also everyone will go on without me. So, um, just taking those breaks when you need to and strategizing uh, a little bit more intentionally, like you've been alluding to the whole time. I think that that is a skill that I've really, uh, been trying to foster and, uh, I did not have for many years. Very good. Uh, that whole like about, you know, like, Turning off internet access is a lesson I think a lot of people could learn, <laughs> myself yeah. included. I, I will, I will, I will, I will, uh, I will definitely say that. All right, and so yeah, we've all been the XKCD uh, comic where you're just like, Wait, "Somebody's wrong on the no, internet." No, I can't go right now. There's somebody wrong on the right. internet, and they need. To, I need to correct this right now. Exactly. Uh, exactly. And, and it's not. And then uh, to complement that, like the thing I've been very, very happy with that I kind of. Uh, do probably by, by skill, but sometimes, um, by luck, uh, as well is that I find the group of people that want to grow with me. And I find, uh, I've really figured out that I'm, I'm a group learner 
I find that I'm way more accountable when other people are depending on me or I'm learning with others. So uh, the thing that we kind of I jumped over is the way Git and GitHub flow uh, and GitLab uh, workflows finally stuck for me is that I jumped on the V Brown bag, which is a wonderful community organization, and started this thing called Commitmas, kind of as a punny way of learning Git over the Christmas holiday break. Um, and a group of friends through Twitter, we self-organized, we shared how we use Git, and I made a game game about it, and we, uh, we all kind of taught each other how to set up our configs so that we could consistently do it. And basically, since taking the days to do that, I've known Git well enough to be useful. Um, and it really, I, I do chalk it up to, you know, building a coalition, building a group of people around me who are also trying to progress and learn um, and that just are are willing to share uh, that if you reach out, there will surprisingly, you know, there will always be people that know more than you. That's just a byproduct of the the technology we're in, but there's going to be a ton of people that want to learn with you and are very kind and are very welcoming. And if you're willing to, you can reach out and you can find them. That That's always, always accessible. Um, if you have the, the comfort and confidence to reach out and, uh, I found our, our communities, the, the many in the Venn diagram that we're a part of are all very, very welcoming. Yeah, that's, uh, that's really good advice. You know, um, I think, even just the the one thing of like knowing how you learn best is something that a listener could take away and, and say, you know, how do I learn best, right? What is the style by which I will gather, I will gain the information or gain knowledge? And and what is the, the mechanism that, you know, for my particular personality and learning style, it's going to be most effective, even just that. But then there's, you know, adding in people and, and you know, helping create, you know, sort of uh, accountability partners or, you know, similar structures, that kind of thing. All those are super useful, um, for, for most folks, uh, for a lot of folks. Um, yeah. you know, what, one of the things that you and I shared as we were preparing for the podcast is that, um, you, you were, and, and I we'll have to make this one of the last things we talk about since we're coming up on our time, but, um, mm-hmm. uh, it was important to kind of, you know, talk about and share about the experiences we've had, the journeys that we've taken, the lessons that we've learned, right. Not just career wise, but also, you know, communicating, when it comes to participating in open source communities, right? Um, and I wonder if you wanted to just touch on that a little bit, because I think, you know, obviously being here on the podcast, right, you know, we, <laughs> the fact that I host a podcast about career decisions and technologies means that I care about sharing uh, information with folks. But I, I wonder, you know, just, I, I'd love to hear your thought processes around that and 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 why it's so critical, you know, and, and if it's related to some of the things we've talked about earlier in terms of like helping build communities for the purposes of, helping others succeed or, or what? Yeah, Scott, when, when I think about the way we connect with each other and sharing is a mechanism to do so, um, it, maybe it connects back into understanding the way I learn and understanding what I'm motivated by. Uh, I found very early on, like being trapped in a, in a brown cube, uh, pushing commits and waiting one to one and a half years for that code to get released does not work for me. Um, I want to be connected with people directly. Um, so I, I do have like this motivation to connect directly and, and have feedback and iterate live with people. And I think a lot of other people do too. We, um, we find, we derive so much joy from interaction and seeing people, uh, appreciate our work and in the previous kind of waterfall software development model, that timeline's so long, it just gets abstracted and gets very 
boring or sad or both. Um, so open source was a motivator to get closer to people. Um, but more importantly, I think when we share, we make our stories more accessible to others. Um, we invite others to be more open as well. And I really want my work to help me be the kind of person I want to be. Uh, and I want to be open and I want to be transparent about the challenges I face. And I want to be inclusive of, of new people and, uh, being out there and sharing these things. Um, you know, if anyone has done it, they've probably heard from at least one other person, like how much that's appreciated that they've done what they've done. And I, I can't think of a better thing we can do with our careers than to help and lift up others along the way. Uh, so you know, blogging started out as a little bit of um, just a, a recommendation from a mentor who said, anytime you have to explain something more than once, write it as a blog and and point to it and just follow that formula and you'll do pretty well in your career. That's been solid advice. But uh, what I've found way more valuable is, you know, I poured a lot of energy into a podcast for many years and I love joining yours and others. Uh, to just let people hear somebody else's voice and somebody else's experience and like both the excitement of like when things go well and the total failures along the way, because it's in that humanity and vulnerability that other people feel less alone and um, more successful. And I think if we can all raise each other up that way, man, work's going to be a lot more fun and we're all going to do a lot better work together but also screw the work. Like I think it's just uh, morally a great thing to do and a great way to feel good about yourself and about what you do. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more uh, as far as like, you know, helping others succeed. And, and I think that, you know, far too often we, we don't spend enough time there, right. We don't spend enough time um, giving back um, in, in, in many different ways. And I, I don't want to, you know, get too philosophical or anything like that, but I think that if we, if we, if we took an approach of like, you know, how can I help my team members succeed? How can I help my coworkers succeed? How can I help this, you know, random person halfway around the world who's having a problem with some technology that I know, how can I help them, you know, succeed? How can I just, how can I be helpful? I think that, um, the world and our workplaces and our society would probably be a better place. Just a simple little thing like that. Um, okay. So we're nearing up the end of our time. So, uh, I want to wrap things up. I do appreciate you being on, Matt. It has been a, a great discussion. I've thoroughly enjoyed kind of, you know, following along, you know, your career and, and the decisions that you made and how open source was this, you know, sort of central theme all along the way, right? Um, and how it influenced all of your decisions. And, and um, it just, I think there's, like I said, there's a lot of little nuggets that I think listeners um, can pick up from there. And so I really appreciate that. Um, I realize that at the beginning of the show, I didn't give you the opportunity to share any sort of online, you know, social media contact information. So why don't you uh, take a moment now and sort of give the listeners, Hey, if you want to follow me on Twitter or, you know, visit my website or whatever, here's where you can go. Obviously we know about opensource.com, but what are some other ways folks could stay in touch with you? Yeah. Well, I would love to hear from more readers on opensource.com. So whether you're new or old hat to it, uh, you can reach out to me. I'd love to hear more about what you're doing there or what motivates you to share. Uh, and if I can help you write more. That's a big part of my job right now. And it's, it's part of the joy of it back to what we were just wrapping up on. Uh, but you can find me at MB Broberg on most everything. And mbbroberg.fun is kind of this landing page of where you can reach out on other channels. Um, I'd love to hear from you and what you're building. And if I can help you along the way, I'm here. Awesome. Thanks, Matt. I really appreciate you being on the show.
Yeah, I appreciate it too, Scott. Thank you. All right. Listeners, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Um, really appreciate you, uh, you all taking the time. Um, if you do have a moment to provide some feedback on the show, you're more than welcome to contact me uh, directly. You can hit me on Twitter as uh, at Scott underscore low. You can contact the podcast's Twitter account uh, at FSJ Podcast, also on Twitter. And uh, the show is uh, published on, you know, a variety of platforms. I'm not sure how uh, you found your way here, but if you have a moment to give us a review, if you enjoyed the show, we'd certainly appreciate that. Um, episodes, uh, current and old, are available on the PacketPushers.net uh, website. So feel free to go there to catch up on any episodes you haven't hit. And uh, I am so grateful and thankful for you guys uh, and gals giving me some time to listen to Matt and I talk about careers and open source. So thanks again. Have a great day.